Hey everybody, it's your boy Dave from your favorite podcast, Sports Kinda. And I want everyone to know that it's uh, it's great that you listen, but it's even greater if you rate, review, and subscribe. These things go a long way into the uh, the uh, the numbers and how they're tabulated, and we appreciate everyone listening. But if you're not rate, reviewing, and subscribing, it never happened. So, with that said, if you like sports, kinda, and you want it to continue. Please rate, review, subscribe. The hell is a podcast? I mean, when you just tape it, what are you doing? Honestly, though, it's probably going to continue even if they don't rate, subscribe, and review. You could honestly <laughs> never even listen to it, and we'll continue doing it. <laughs> because most of you don't listen anyway. <laughs> what were our numbers? What were our numbers, just out of curiosity? So I was just pulling that up, actually. We, got, we had 27 listens last week which is down we went down for the first time by about 10 plays but we're getting we're getting pretty good retention we got about 40 percent retention which means people are the people that are listening are listening hard if you could travel back in time and you're one bit of knowledge that you were able to hold on to with such a mastery of what is going to happen you go to vegas and you say i'm going to work for a sports booking bookies and i'm going to do spreads and i'm from the future so i know how all this stuff is going to end you ever seen the movie back to the future brick killed a guy yeah for those that don't realize zb the elephant in the room zb mia for the time being so the pod will go on without him. We gave him 25 minutes, and he was uh, asleep at the wheel. So right now he's probably sitting in a red roof inn trying to figure out the Wi-Fi. But uh, when he joins, you'll know because we will lambast him for uh, his tardiness. Oh, you will know. You will know. But we forge on. But speaking of these up or down numbers – this is a lot like that whole GameStop thing, am I right? Nice introduction, Dave. That must be your first topic for today. And honestly, this is something I wanted to talk about too. What the hell is going on with the stock market, man? You you strike me as a stock market guy. Maybe you can explain this to me. I'm not. And I, I hate feeling so out of the loop. And, like, like I, and I say that. I have a group chat with some of my friends that are really in on it. And one of them actually is about to make like four grand off this whole thing. Cause he got in on this GameStop thing um, and is aware of it. And I have another one that is content to go down with the ship, whatever that means. So he's uh, he's going to ride it until it's dead. And I, my other friend told him, you know, you should probably sell a little bit, just get a little bit of money. And that way, you know, you're not completely. And he said, no, and he's going with playing the respect and loyalty card and going down with the ship. But I don't think that's how Wall Street works. But I digress. You're going to learn today. Exactly. And so the way that I understand it, and I've had it explained to me. So it's kind of like the big short in reverse almost. The big short, the movie. Yes, the movie. Uh, do you understand any of this? Like, do you understand what it, what it means to short a stock? No. Okay. The best example that I read was, let's say that a stock is worth $10 and I buy one share of that stock. If I'm 
a hedge fund and I'm trying to short the stock, I buy this stock with the intentions or with the hope that the stock loses money. And so if I paid $10 for a stock and then you buy it, oh God, see, this is the problem is you got an idiot trying to explain something that's super complex. And I only understand it at like a very like cursory level. If I understand it And so like these, like these hedge fund guys, these hedge fund guys don't buy, they, they swap, they buy swaps. So they're like, Hey, I'll buy that stock from you for $10. You say, okay, here it is. And then I sell it. I sell it immediately. And so then I just have this equity of $10 that I've collected. And when the stock goes down and it's, let's say, so you buy it for 10, it goes down to seven. I buy back the stock at $7. I return the, the, the stock for what it was worth, which is the new $7. And that difference of $3 is what I pocket. So that's where my, that's my take on it. And so that's where, if you're doing this on a much larger scale, you know, $3 is, you know, three, $300 million, you know, if you've got that kind of money. And so what these hedge fund guys can do is you're buying such large quantities of stock that if you're trying to short a stock, you can, you know, it's almost, it's almost like betting an under in the sense that you're betting fail, you want failure. Like you want this company to fail because that's the way that the, once that gap gets larger, you're going to make more and more money. What has happened is that one of these hedge fund guys blabbed when it shot off at the mouth. Cause what they can do is they can, um, they can talk shit for lack of a better word. They can talk shit about a, uh, a company that they're trying to short. So if you're trying to short, you know, Walmart, which you would never do, obviously. But if you're trying to short Walmart, you could say, hey, Walmart sucks. Walmart's a bad company. I heard their CEO is a real scumbag and hope that their stock goes down. And that's where you make your money. So it's it can be kind of like a sketchy, like, you know, you're, you're rooting for failure. You're rooting for failure is what it boils down to. Hello and welcome to Business Kinda, the podcast where we only talk about business. Kinda. And so what has happened is one of these hedge fund guys shot off at the mouth and said, GameStop is a bad, you know, it's a bad company. It's not worth, it's not going to be worth the $20 a share that it's at right now or whatever. And the Reddit community, and they are in the Reddit community is integral in this. They basically said, oh, you're trying to short GameStop. Well, we know that if we bolster the value of GameStop and make their stock prices, their shares more valuable, then you're losing money. Then you're, then you go from, I bought $10 at a share and now it's worth $13. You're in the hole, you're losing money. You don't even have yet. And so that's, what's happening on just a, a, just a huge scale. So if you had a hundred million dollars in it and the stock was $10 a share, $10 a share, and it goes on you, 
you're losing money, you're losing money, and you're saying to yourself, well, how long can this go on for before I have to cut my losses and say, all right, I'll buy it back from you and, and, and worry about what's going on. And so that's how these firms, these hedge fund firms that are responsible for millions and millions of dollars are going bankrupt is because there's no ceiling to the value of a stock that people, if people are going to continue to buy it and buy it, buy it, it will continue to grow up. And so the stock's growth is exponential, meaning these hedge fund people's losses are exponential and that they are, they will never reach a, they will never stop in theory. Okay. I'm going to stop you there because thank you, math Dave, for explaining the stock market to me, but you blew past the part that I find the most interesting, which this merry band of idiots from Reddit found a way to crash the entire basically foundation of the U S economy within a matter of days that these, these people who really don't have that much experience in the stock market, but they understand enough about how it works, that they could get people to do what they needed to do to stick it to the rich guys, which I just find incredible. And not just the fact that they were able to do it once with GameStop. They did it with AMC. And they held strong for, I think we're going on now, four days of trading. And they've managed to hold on to these companies. They made GameStop one of the biggest companies in the world somehow which is utterly ridiculous and honestly a bit admirable. What is not admirable, though, is the, the, the app that they, most of them were using to trade called Robinhood, very apropos of the situation, that they actually trusted that this application was a steal-from-the-rich-give-to-the-poor type of, type of place where they could go and do their trading and be free to uh, exercise the will of the people without being stifled by big business. Because I don't know if you saw what happened today, Dave, but Robinhood be doing some shit. They started, they started uh, disallowing trades to certain companies or to certain accounts so that they could quell the uprising of the populace and the ability for people to continue this ridiculous wave of, uh, of anti-shorting, I guess, or whatever you were calling it, where they're just buying up stock to stick it to the hedge fund managers. And these, I don't know if it was hedge fund managers that got to the owners of Robin Hood or if this was Robin Hood's plan all along to get a whole bunch of people invested and then cut off the tap and cut them at the knees or the kneecaps if you're Dan Campbell and leave everybody high and dry. But that's the part to me that I find more interesting. It's the sociology of this, that it's almost a, a proletariat uprising that we witnessed among the economic uh, or in the economic sector and What's more interesting, or what's also interesting about it, is you have these, these low-level, I don't want to call them middle-class people, but the, they're, they're not necessarily your, your typical stock buyers that are tossing retirement funds into this because they believe in it. The problem is, those are the type of people that you don't want to be in on stock with because those are the people that, that are going to sell quickly when things start to turn down. The whole thing with stocks is the long game, right? The long con, as you like to call it, Dave. You yeah. have to play for a longer or a later date if you want that return on your stock to be, I guess, as profitable as it can be. Of course, if you put in $1,000, within 12, 12 hours, you have $100,000. It's going to be hard to not want to bail out and cut your losses and, and take your earnings right there. But what that happens is if enough people domino there, then the whole movement crashes down to nothing. And it was basically just a chance for those people who got out early to get rich and everyone else loses their money. So if you're an investor, you're relying on a bunch of idiots 
trying to hold the line and not get greedy all at the same time, which honestly I would not feel comfortable with, which is why I'm not involved in any of this. But I like watching it from the sidelines. It's a fun watch from the sidelines once you kind of understand the game a little bit. It's not like, you know, it's like watching like Australian rules football and you're like, well, I don't really get what's going on. Good action. I don't understand it. And then you kind of figure it out and you're like, okay, I could watch this. But here's it, the Robin Hood thing. You touched on this. And I, I have a friend who's in business at UCLA business school is in on this about to make probably four or five grand on this whole thing. And he's been kind of my, uh, my guiding light on this. And so with the whole Robin Hood thing with their ability to, as you said, turn the tap off, it's almost, I mean, it's a technicality in the sense that they are able to control your money when you get out, because when you go through a broker, you're technically borrowing money. And so that's like the technicality that enables them to control your assets when you're like, Hey, well, no, this is my money. This is my money. No, when you go through that broker and that third party, you're not necessarily in, you're getting, uh, you're borrowing. And so you're at the mercy of them. And clearly the SEC got involved. I mean, clearly the SEC got involved and. You guys talking Bama SEC? Yeah. Talking football, man. You son of a mother. Crazy ass looking hair everywhere. Where were you? What are you doing? Yeah, what do you have to say for yourself? I had work, and uh, I just had work. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But look at my hair. That makes up for it, doesn't it? Cockfight. Well, listen, we accept your apology. It's okay. But we did we did start without you, and uh, we're, talking, we're talking stonks. And I feel oh. like you probably, have, you probably have some thoughts on this. Zach, you want to jump in? Uh, give, me, give me a little rope here. What's the... Uh... Where, where, where are we at? So we've, Nick, we've set everything I? up. Dave, <laughs> Dave basically took us on a five-minute journey through what a short is and explained, explained the stock market to us lay people. And then I went on a little bit of a tirade about the, uh, the sociology of the Reddit community and, and how hilarious it was that they were um, essentially sticking it to uh, the people who generally won, run Wall Street. We talked a little bit about what happened today with Robinhood the application and then you jumped in so okay i, I got opinions on, on a lot you want to start over let's just start over let's just start over okay okay here we go <laughs> okay so okay, wait, 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 wait. a off. stock means to <laughs> wait wait, wait off, lay out lay out off the top of the dome um robin hood more like robbing the hood i'm sure someone said that um uh okay my favorite thing about shorts is um uh, I've heard eight different people tell me what, what shorting a stock is, and I, I have eight different uh, answers on what that actually is. Um, the SEC um, was uh, – uh, did I make the Roll Tide joke already? No, go for it. You're all plot, you're plotting new ground, man. Roll go ahead. Uh, some, Paul, uh, Bama don't got that uh, – didn't they kill a tree by pouring, like, poison on it in Auburn? The Alabama – yeah, that crazy Alabama guy did it. All right, I'm caught up. Well, you came in with all fresh new material, too. I hadn't heard it. I mean, I'd heard some of that on Twitter, but nothing. Hey, aside, I don't, want to, I don't want to distract, but guess what I got from Trader Joe's? Are those yes. almonds? They are almond butter-covered almonds. That's double the almond. 
That's like putting a peanut in peanut butter. Isn't that stupid? They're really good though. Anyway, what was why the haven't they put? But wait, um, peanut butter? No, peanut butter M and M's don't have peanut butter; just peanuts. But do, is there a product that puts peanut peanuts in peanut butter? Yeah, it's called no. chunky peanut butter. <laughs> it's called Peter. It's called <laughs> Jiffy uh, Super Chunk. Yeah. <laughs> not jiffy uh, junk. they even thought of a nice little name for it and everything no no what is that called skippy super chunk it's called super chunk are you guys are you guys chunky or, or or smooth peanut butter guys i don't discriminate i mean i like them both but i uh i gen i, gen, I tend to go with the smooth because i can add my own peanuts because not chunky peanut butter doesn't always go with all things whoa 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 so That's you're a, spreading yeah. peanut butter on something and then crushing up peanuts with your hand to put no, it I'll on just, the... I'll just put the whole peanuts on there. I mean, I don't need to like have them crushed up like a McDonald's Sunday type of setup. Did you, I, I mean, did you just I, run through that like it wasn't a thing that isn't abnormal? That's insane. No one does that. Yeah. If you like chunky peanut butter and Dude, you don't buy chunky peanut butter. That's like butter. somebody somebody just casually slipping in that they cut off the crust of all their sandwiches so that at the end of the week they can make a new sandwich out of all the crust that they cut off. <laughs> but just doing it in such a nonchalant way like, oh, yeah, usually when I make, you know, ham and cheese sandwiches, I put cashews in it, right? That's kind of that's kind of a normal thing. Yeah, but I guess it's a regional thing. So, like, if you grow up putting peanuts on your peanut butter, then maybe it's just normal and you assume everyone else does it. But come to find out, you're wrong. No, I think I invented it. I think it's. I think it sounds good. Wait, do you guys use uh, the the marshmallow fluff, Jet Puff? No, I don't Ooh. use fluff. I've done it. It's not good for you at all, but it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, I've never had it, but I. Uh, it always looks good. I'm a big marshmallow fluff guy in any situation. So yeah, it's it's tasty, but it'll it'll gum up the arteries real good. Fluff or nutter? No, I call it. Honestly, out of the two of you, Dave would have been my pick to have actually gone in on this because I feel like you're friends with Wall Street guys, Dave. But Zach, did you did you jump in on any of the of the stock stuff? I mean, it sounds like that's a no, but no, but but I'm hoping that it continues because I've I've been holding uh like a like a small position in a stock for like nine months. That's that sounds to be like it could potentially be uh, one of the next ones that they decide to. Uh, blow out the shorts so um hoping that happens it probably won't because i'm not like good at it or anything so why would it happen but is it spirit halloween is that a is that a publicly traded company i don't know <laughs> i'd be real surprised if it is yeah. oh you mean halloween world they rebranded <laughs> they do every year <laughs> you should tell us what the company is so that we can try and get reddit to grab onto it oh yeah we are popular on reddit aren't we <laughs> we're gonna be i think you'll only help your case if you just if you uh say the name of it right okay. now. okay folks it is one of the most heavily shorted stocks in the entire country something we all use known by amazon.com everyone buy up amazon.com stock it's being shorted to high hell you and bezos uh dave these friends of yours that you've mentioned twice that are big big time wall street guys frankie and Vinny and whoever i want to know more about these guys and what they've gotten into or what they've told you they've gotten into with this uh, newfound uh stock explosion 
Well, I wouldn't necessarily categorize them as Wall Street guys, but one of them loves to gamble, sports gamble. And so this, I mean, that's what this is. I mean, that's what the stock market is. Um, and so that's his game. And then the other one I mentioned, he's in business school and this is all just kind of come second nature to him. And so I think he just kind of took a flyer on it. Like he's, you know, I don't think this, I'm not a hundred percent sure if he's part of like the Reddit, the, uh, what was the name of that Reddit? The something bets. Wall Street bets. Wall Street bets. I don't know if he's like in on that and was like ground floor, like, oh, I see what's his, what this what is happening kind of thing. But he was aware of it and he's gonna clear I mean he's gonna make probably four grand off of it. Um and I don't but think is he, he gonna is he gonna kick out when he hits that number or is he gonna stay in? I think he is in the process of kicking out because and Ooh. kept a little bit in. Coward. Some of it in just to see where it goes, but I think he saw the writing on the wall because this thing was so tumultuous. Like, I mean, and we were having this conversation, you know, on Tuesday, I think, and it was up and down, up and down. I mean, today it's the kind of thing where like, if you had like a substantial amount of money invested in something that was moving like this on a chart, you would vomit. You would just vomit from the just sheer roller coaster nature of it. But do you know why it's so volatile? It's people like your friend, cowards, pulling their money out when they need to stand strong, hold the line, and continue to invest. I've got one friend that's claiming to go, on to go down with the ship, so he's not selling anything. He's the, he, and he's not even vomiting it. I think he's just watching it all unfold. You know, He's content with going down with it if it comes to it. But that's he also guy. doesn't have like $100 million at stake, so I think it's a... It's an easier, uh, it's an easier do. It's an easier ship to go down with. Oh, I like that. <laughs> do you guys, are you Bitcoin people or do you understand Bitcoin at all? No. No. So, so that was another thing that I've been looking into because this, you saw the Dogecoin thing that became a little bit of a, an internet sensation along with all the stock market stuff where this counterculture cryptocurrency called dogecoin after the very famous doge meme with the dog looking fairly idiotic um anyway people were buying it up like it was real cryptocurrency which it is but it really was started and intended to be a joke and now if you have dogecoin you're actually sitting pretty that thing has skyrocketed to a point where people are wondering if it's going to end up reaching uh I think the, the magical number for a cryptocurrency or some cryptocurrency is to, to equate to a dollar, right? So they, some people are uh, forecasting that Dogecoin is going, if it continues to trend like this, could end up reaching that dollar number uh, maybe before Bitcoin. I don't know. I don't remember exactly how they forecasted it, but uh, you could have all your money in internet coins with the picture of a dog on it, which I find to be fairly hilarious. Um, yeah, I've never gotten into Bitcoin. I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. They can have it. It sounds like hogwash to me, but what do I know? I'm sweating in my car right now. Yeah, pass. Uber pass. Pass. <laughs> okay, so potty humor. <laughs> turn it off. Turn, turn Time to turn it off, Nicole. <laughs> Well, no, I wanted to discuss potty humor, not do potty humor. Um, because after the podcast last week, Dave and I were talking about both his mother and his wife 
said that they didn't appreciate the high volume of potty humor on the podcast. And then I spoke to my mom this week, and while she didn't necessarily point out potty humor as the reason, she said, and I quote, I got through halfway through the first episode and decided this isn't for me. So we're turning off the, the mom population with, with the podcast. I was just curious where you guys stand on, uh, on potty humor and, and going forward, if we should maybe try to uh, tone it down or do we turn it up? Or do we go in, or do we go all in on potty humor? I don't want to go all in on potty humor. I find potty humor to be hysterical, but apparently the people in my life don't agree with me, and clearly they don't get my brand of comedy. But not many people do. No, they don't. It's a gift and a curse. And so I don't think we necessarily stick our hand in the potty, but I think we dabble. I think we have just the right amount, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, like occasionally we make a wet ass joke and uh, we're dry and ass. Move girl. on. Well, depending on who you are. Yep. Wet ass. Yep. Big, okay. Big over here. Well, so I guess I guess the other thing is where where is the line on potty humor? Like, does it have to involve a potty or a bodily function, or are they are they merely objecting to vulgarity or or what? What do we, where does the line come into play with potty humor? It's like pornography. You know it when you hear it. So we should talk about pornography. If we were leaning into it, if we're sticking our hand in the toilet bowl. I gotta tell you, I don't really have much of an opinion on this. I don't, I don't separate, I don't, I don't separate anything here. It's just kind of what comes out. Yeah, rarely do I say to myself before I say something, hey, is this going to be, is this going to skew potty or is this going to really appeal to the masses? Um, Or is it going to appeal to the asses? (laughs) You're banging Mrs. Pibb, huh? Well, maybe this... That's my governing (laughs) principle. Maybe this episode, we, we dabble in trying to identify the potty humor when it comes up and say okay there was some potty humor do we like it do we not like it we'll just see going forward if that ends up coming up in the thread of conversation i've got something yeah so i watched the tiger woods documentary on hbo not sure if you boys have seen it. We don't need to get into it. I would recommend it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very interesting. And he was he was really doing his thing in terms of golf. And I wasn't really a huge golf fan when I was that young. You know, I was 10, 12, 13. You know, I wasn't like sitting down on Sunday and watching Augusta or like the U.S. Open. That's just not my bag, man. But uh, I found it very interesting. But it also made me – they show a lot of old Tiger highlights, obviously – and he's wearing the red on Sundays and it's so badass. And I thought to myself, what other article of clothing type of deal is like so well known that you could just say like the article and you'd be like, Oh, that's so-and-so's thing. Like that's, you know, if I just said red, red polo shirt, you'd be like, Oh, tiger Sunday going for it at a major. Is there anything that you can think of that, uh, connotes that same type of like oh yeah i'm think i was trying to think of like 
And the one I thought of when I was walking my dog was Barry Bonds' elbow guard. Like, when you saw Barry Bonds' elbow guard, you knew it was going to be a double, it was going to be a home run, or it was going to be a walk. Those were your options. Did he not wear it sometimes? Huh? Did he not wear it sometimes? No, he always wore it. But he didn't always – what do you – like, he batted, like, 340 or something like that. So What are you talking about? What are you trying to do here? You're saying if he had the the elbow guard on, he was going to hit a double or whatever. Yeah, man. Do you remember those seasons where it was, like, prime Royd, Barry Bonds? He was, like, massive, and he's wearing this this oversized elbow guard and the strike zones the size of his can. Yeah, he batted, like, 331 that year. Like 331? Okay, well, Dave, let me ask, are we, (laughs) is the game we're playing uh, articles of clothing that we identify with a sports figure, or is it that when that sports figure wears the article of clothing in a specific situation, it's just like everyone's losing their mind because they know shit's about to go down. For example, like Allen Iverson and his, uh, arm sleeve he was the first one to do oh that and i would identify ai with the mm-hmm. arm sleeve maybe even the headband but it wasn't like a specific situation that he was wearing it in um where it's you say oh now he's going off it was just he was always wearing it but that's like a thing i identify with him nick you bring up a very good point i don't know the answer to that question i couldn't really fine tune a, a, a real you know a real category because i was like you know, what other, you know, everyone else wears uniforms. So it's not like, you know, that's like the, 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 uh, the oddity of golf is that you get to wear like, you know, your own gear kind of thing. You get to wear your own uniform. Um, and that doesn't really exist in sports, but like an example that I thought of would be Mike prime, like late eighties, Mike Tyson with the black trunks, you know, coming out with just black trunks, no robe, ready to get it on like we're about to we're, this is about to be the the worst two rounds of your life bub that's what i came up with i've got another one okay how about hoodie mellow you guys remember when hoodie mellow was a thing when he put on that that very restrictive hoodie almost looked like a foreskin and then he would go rip fools at the gym at the ymca during free a free ball period, and he would just look like the sickest player ever, and everyone was like losing their mind over Hoodie Mello. I've never heard of this before. Yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. That was like a, but that was like one of several. Mello's had like ten or fifteen, like all not alter egos, but like brands of himself, and that's one international Mello. Like, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. That's like an identifier, but it, I don't think anything really goes to Tiger Red Sunday. Um, it's in its own category, right? Yeah, yeah, and because like nobody else has picked that up. Like I remember, and I'm probably off, but when short shorts in college basketball started coming back, um, it was DJ Wilson from Michigan, who I remember being the first one who started doing that. But it could have been like literally anybody else, and now everybody has really short shorts. So it's like un unreplicated uh, Tigers thing. Oh, how about this? Um, uh, Nelly with the the uh, oh the band aid band aid, yeah. Yeah, yeah, now we're expanding the universe, not just sports stuff. We're just how about crisscross wearing their jerseys backwards. Yeah, how about Limp Biscuit with the <laughs> ha- hair and the red hat? The re- <laughs> he made red, he was the first guy wearing a red hat. He loves a red hat. Nothing the wrong guy with the guy from Corn has crazy hair. 
What, uh, the Dreadlock guy? Didn't they all have Dreadlocks? I like this extremely niche thing that we're looking for, though. Like an athlete who puts on a certain article of clothing in a specific time that is iconic, like Tiger Woods and the Red on Sunday. Like, it, I was going to say, it's very unique, which was a good identifier by you, Dave. Well, I'm trying to think of a football player and like their face, you know, like a really like a face mask that you're like, oh, I know that face mask. Because like if I say name me a, a, a football player that wore the high neck thing that went up super high, like over their helmet, who are you going to say? All we'll say, I'll say, our, well, everyone, think of their own name. Think of their own name. Think of their own name. Say what it is. Describe it again. Do you mean the neck roll for like football players? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, like the exaggerated pad that they have that goes okay. up like up high behind their helmet. I know the everyone answer. To think this of their own guy, and then on the count of three, we'll all say who we're thinking, and we'll see if we come up with the same guy. Does everybody have somebody? Yes. Okay. One, two. Three. Brian Cox. Zach Thomas. <laughs> Who would you say, Zach? Brian Cox. Ah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. Well, that was a fun game. How about Wait, Visor? How about Visor? All right. Dark Visor. You want to do that on 3 2? What? You want to do that on 3 2? Yeah. 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 Everybody got one? I got no. one. You don't got a guy wearing a dark visor? A dark – oh, football. I thought I was picturing a uh, – can you look up Brian Cox on the Jets, please, actually? I found him already. Yeah, that is the biggest neck pad I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, he's not snapping anything. I don't even think Jack he could Thomas move his head. I don't think he could move his head up. Like – Was that like a functional pad? I don't know. Probably one of those things that, like, science has proven is way more dangerous than it actually was helpful. Well, isn't the point when you're tackling to put your head up? Like, they, everyone says, keep your head up, right? No, this way he gets all the momentum of his straight spine just <laughs> compounding upon itself as, a, as he spears somebody. Spearing the tackle, yeah, yes. $100,000 a year. All right, okay. everyone got a, a visor player now? As we filibustered for Zach. Yeah, we, we just filibustered for visor guy. We did Brian Cox radio. Yeah, we went deep dive Jets 90s football. I don't have a good visor guy. Okay, I got the one. I got it. Never mind. All right. Okay. Count of three. One, two, three. Ladanian Tomlinson. Tomlinson. Oh, you guys got it. Oh, no. No, Zach just jumped in at the very end, waited to see what I said. It was like, no, I said Ladanian, and then I waited and asked Tomlinson. What did you say, Dave? Uh, Brian Dawkins. That's a good one. I went defensive. I went defensive. I wasn't even thinking of an offensive player that was And, and why would you? Exactly. Not half of the game. All right. What else we got? What else we got? What the hell's going on with Deshaun Watson? There's no better embodiment to what the Texans just did than the Deshaun uh, than the uh, Deshaun Hopkins deal that they made. DeAndre. With, DeAndre. Sorry. DeAndre Hopkins oh. deal. That they made with, oh, I didn't like that pen click one bit. <laughs> I didn't like that at all. <laughs> that kid uh, scrubbed in the podcast. What the hell? <laughs> Hold on. Now maybe I have to leave it in because let me explain. If you heard the pen click and Dave's reaction, I have upgraded. <laughs> Just to let you behind the curtains here, when we finish these podcasts, I'm the one who 
ends up putting everything together and, and making sure you fine folk can listen to it, which often involves a little bit of editing. The problem is I'm not making any money off of this and I don't have time to sit through an hour-long podcast and actually edit it to the production quality that we need. So I usually just edit the beginnings and ends and I try to, or up until this point, I've tried to remember points during the show when we needed a little bit of cleaning up. However, I've upgraded technologically into the 21st century this week by grabbing both a pad, a notepad, and a pen to write down the time code or the time in the podcast in which certain things might need to be edited out so that later on when I go to edit it, I can just look at the time and say, okay, it was 15 minutes in the podcast. There's that little clip where Dave was an idiot. Let me take that out. Make sure he doesn't sound so bad. Bing, bang, boom. And I don't have to spend my entire night editing a podcast. What happened there was Dave. <laughs> yeah, what, what had happened was. Dave, in, in his infinite uh, wisdom, was attempting to go on a long, drawn-out soliloquy about the the Sean Watson situation. And in the middle of it, he mixed up Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, calling yeah, him Deshaun Watkins. And in order to protect his ego, I was going to edit that out and just move along with his highly interesting Watson. and inquisitive words. So I went to go ahead and write down the time code, but I needed to open my pen. And in order to open my pen, I clicked it, must have clicked it too close to the microphone and in too vibrant a fashion. And uh, I upset Dave. Very theatrical. That's all I'll say. Very theatrical. <laughs> and the way that you whisked your arm out, like you were like you were writing it on my permanent record. There was a flourish there, like I was a headmaster at a school and I was writing a demerit. Yes, yes. I feel like I just got demerited and I didn't care for it one bit. Well, don't worry, Dave. No one's going to hear that part of the podcast, but they will hear this part. <laughs> Do you want to continue with your thought? Well, I, I, I just think that the DeAndre Hopkins deal is a really great yeah, example well. of just the time that Deshaun Watson has spent in Houston. And really what Houston has been these last couple of years under Bill, Bill O'Brien is like, yeah, you make the playoffs, you get drubbed on that Saturday playoff game that's on ESPN year after year, and – he gets to keep his job because you made the playoffs and you made the playoffs and you made the playoffs, but like people need to lose their jobs for more than that, man. And they kept him around, kept him around thinking that they were doing the right thing. And then they dealt Deandre Hopkins for, I don't know, a bag of hats. I mean, I don't even know what they got for him. And they were already bent over a barrel. Cause what did they trade to Miami that, that gave Tunsil. Miami their, their they pick? Tunsil. Oh, didn't they trade for Tunsil? Oh, so that's, that, for Tunsil. That's, oh, so that's the residuals from that terrible trade. Kudos to Deshaun Watson for saying like, hey, no, you guys have mismanaged this from the jump. You just gave me a fat contract for some crazy reason. You gave me a no trade clause. I'm about to bone you guys. Peace. I want to go play here. Make it happen. And you're not going to get anything back for it because I want to play with their best assets. Wait, did he go somewhere today? Was I not paying attention? No, but it's like out in the – I mean, it's like public knowledge that he's demanding a trade. Right, that right, right. It, it is 
you know, and, and nothing has changed in that regard. I mean, we've all known that he wanted out. Yeah. But I think there was this delusion that they might be able to keep him by depending on who they hired as a head coach. And well, they hired some guy I've never heard of. Yeah, that was supposed to be part of it. But then didn't he say he was supposed to be part of the hiring, hiring process and then they didn't even include him at all? I think ultimately that's what he wanted. And yeah, and then, and then they just went and, and – or maybe that was for the GM. I don't remember. But, like, they just – they don't respect him as, like, a franchise player that he is and that he's, like – deserves to be so i'd be pissed too but also when you see you're in you see it with so many like career like okay for instance matthew stafford's wastes his entire career in detroit he's 33 or whatever now and realizing okay i don't have any more time i too would like to move on and he's like well liked in every circle and I'm, i think deshaun watson is like i want to get where i'm trying to go before everything heads south and i'm stuck like matthew stafford you know but like and and you can't be a more toxic organization than Detroit but Houston's like they're they're pushing for it they're trying to be that's what it looks like <laughs> they're well, not drafting think... wide receivers the first overall pick every year but yeah or tight ends that's been their <laughs> their recent thing they love a first round tight end Everyone I think Detroit is on. uh dysfunctional on a sort of on-field level and certainly organizationally as well but I think toxic Zach you you hit it on the head with Houston, because um, if you look a little bit closer at like the details with what Watson is upset about, it's really a respect thing. 100%. So with the GM search, it wasn't even like Deshaun wanted uh, his say to be taken over what, um, what other people in the organization would want out of a GM. What he wanted to do was represent a group of people that were underrepresented in the organization as it comes to decision-making on hires at the management level. So what that stands to mean is he wanted a player's representative and more specifically a black player's represent representative to have some sort of input as to who was running the organization next. And those decisions shouldn't just be made by the old white people that are running the, the, the team. And this goes all the way back to Bob McNair saying that the, uh, the inmates can't run the asylum a few years back and that audio leaking and the Texans organization basically being uh, thrown through the, the gauntlet because of uh, what they're, what they're, excuse me. Um, and Did that, you have a cough it, button? yeah, you had a cough button. It's a mute button. Y'all have it. Um, but to finish my thought, <laughs> the thread, the thread starts there with Bob McNair being racist and it jumps through this summer during the civil rights movement where Deshaun Watson didn't feel like the Texans properly uh, supported him and the players in Houston that tried to get out and do some of the marching and the protesting down there. And so Watson was already feeling like the organization did not respect him, did not respect the African-American players on the team, and that they weren't willing to listen to them when they brought up issues that ranged from things on the field or things in the locker room all the way up to wanting to have at least their voices heard when it comes to who's running the organization. So that was like the final straw breaking the camel's back for Watson saying, I can't be a part of this anymore if you're going to continue to treat us like others or like inmates running the, yeah. uh, the prison. And, the other and- thing with, with Watson that I, that I just find really interesting is that he's, he's bailing on the organization, but his ties to Houston are pretty profound. When he signed that contract, he went on, he had a very moving um, 
statement about what he wanted to do with the city of Houston. The city of Houston is connected with him in a way that's, that doesn't always happen with your franchise quarterback. So for him to publicly do this and, and make a mess and try to leave a place where he has very, uh, very been very public in the way that he's said that he cares about this country or this, this city and he's put money into building it up, it just goes to underline the toxicity of what he's dealing with. And that Houston organization, I think, really needs to be put under a microscope for what's going on there because it's obviously uh, it's destroying what's going on there. Would you say the toxicity of our city? Of our city. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Sort of a, I, didn't mean I, I chose joke over uh, adding on to it. But, well, but I don't know why I went serious to, there. I'm not sure no, no, why no. I went serious. No, I just, my brain can't be serious for more than one minute at a time. So I, I wanted to, I wanted to get a little system of it. Let's not be serious anymore. Where should, where should Deshaun Watson go? I mean, if you're like, it gets crazy. Cause it, then you can start to say, well, if you're, the Packers, for example, like what, like, I mean, now you're getting into a territory where it just doesn't happen in the NFL. You don't get those kinds of names moving around. And I mean, I don't know where I stand on it as a Packers fan, but you know, I, I don't want to get into that can of worms, but I, I'm curious to know how Zach as a Lions fan views Matt Stafford's approach to how he's handled his time in Detroit and now set and now wants out versus what DeAndre God what Deshaun Watson is doing what Deshaun Watson is doing in Houston and saying well hey I'm in my prime now I'm 25 whatever I want out now versus I'm gonna go you know 10 12 13 years playing for a franchise that sucks Matt Stafford's like a Stafford's the the one of the most underrated players in the one definitely one of the most underrated quarterbacks and he's handled it he's been like super class the entire time he's been here for way too long he needs to he should have gotten out like I wouldn't it's hard to say that knowing the like contract that they offered him what however many years it was ago and they've had I think four coaches um not including this one coming up during his time he's seen uh you know, a top five potentially wide receiver of all time come through and go out early because he hates the organization so much. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he's never had a 1,000 yard rusher. Um, he's never had a competent offensive line, say for maybe one year, two years. Um, he's had some good defenses, but like the, the only like steady is that uh, the four. So this is getting really into details about how absolutely incompetent the Ford family is as an ownership group. And uh, just everyone's had it. He's, he's always had the organization's back and always competes. And even when he's hurt and it's really admirable and all that, most people love him. Some people think that he's part of the problem. I don't understand those people. He's going to get, <laughs> he's going to get traded to Indianapolis and he's going to lead them to like a 13, three season they're going to go to the Super Bowl in the next couple of years and everyone's going to be like, wow, it was just an effective Detroit. So I think he handled it perfectly well. I, I don't think anybody should, is or should be mad about him asking out. Like, wouldn't you? They just had, they just did another coaching change. They just went five and 11, I think. How many, you, what, you got five more years of that? You got five more years of taking 65 sacks a year and, and, <laughs> you know, having to try to manufacture another fourth quarter comeback every other week. Do you want him to go? 
Do I what? Do you want him to go? Like, do you as a Lions fan, do, do you for, want him to I like be him, happy and like go pursue something? Yeah, I do because it, he's 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 not going to be here for a rebuild. Like the Lions cannot do this in three years, probably. Like maybe they can make the playoffs in three or four. They're gonna be dog shit next year. Like he is the perfect piece to move for a team that is like in that win zone right now that is quarterback away potentially. And he's going to, he's going to bring back some future pieces. He's definitely a first round, maybe two firsts, maybe a first and a second or something like that. Plus, plus a young player. I don't know exactly. I don't totally know how it works, but he will definitely get a first because there are three, four five teams that need a quarterback right now. What you got Indy, Indy, like San Francisco, now Houston. I mean, does Houston have a backup quarterback in place? I don't know what their deal is. Matt Shaw. The Patriots. The Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about maybe he, he uh, the Patriots being interested. That'd be that'd be um because oh, but the reasoning is great because Bill Belichick wants to prove that he's not a winner because of Tom Brady after they shit the bed this year. <laughs> That's a hundred. He's gonna go out and get himself a big name quarterback and be yeah. like, I can do it. I can do it. See. <laughs> Well, I can tell you, Zach, that the people here in Denver really want, or some of them at least, really want Matt Stafford. And I I don't think they're in that same win-now area, so I don't think it makes sense. I think Matt Stafford is a quarterback that hasn't necessarily got the, the – I'm with you that he hasn't got the, the press or the publicity that he deserves. He's very good. Um, Indy makes a lot of sense to me. What are they going to do? What are they doing with Phillip Rivers, taking him out behind the woodshed or something? Retired. He already retired. Oh, did? Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that he, like, was just one and done in, in Indy. That's it's how a chunky. Him, and his how 11, him and his 11 kids are already playing six-on-six six basketball in the backyard. Six-on-six <laughs> <laughs> six hoops. Nothing like it. Yeah. yeah. Dave, let me ask you this. As a Packer fan, what moment made you the most angry last Sunday? Singular moment in that game that made you the most livid. You know what? I can say I said I can say this in all sincerity. The opening kickoff when dude the Bucks player catches it at like the 5 and runs it out to like the 35 yard line, I thought to myself that this is a, we're not going to win this game. It, it, it's a tone setter right there. I swear to God, I said it to my son. He didn't say anything because he's two, but I said it. And you know what? I was right. And so I, I, had, I had a bad taste in my mouth from the opening kickoff. And I think the opening drive only cemented it. And I'd say the most angry I was, was probably that, that touchdown pass at the end of the first half. I, I, Kevin King had a nightmare of a game. But that was like a bonehead move, but like it wasn't a bone, like, you know, it wasn't like on the scale of like the dumb things that you can do as a player. Like he didn't like get into it and get a flat, get a stupid penalty or anything like that. It was just like, you got exposed, you got exposed, man. And Kevin King can go into the off season knowing that the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady in a week looked at the film of Green Bay's defense, a defense that everyone thought was really, really good, and they thought their cornerbacks were really, really good. And he looked at Kevin King and said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna expose this dude. I'm gonna make this kid have a nightmare." And that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. Kevin King cost himself a lot of money too, because he's a free agent this offseason. And the, for the last thing of uh, GMCs, 
of your play to be that dog shit game that he put out in the NFC Championship game. It's going to cost him a, a, a pretty penny. A couple things, Dave. All right, Kevin but- Queen. <laughs> That's a chunky. No, I liked it. That no, was good. That was good. Um, that the, the thing, the play at the end of the first half is the right answer. And the thing is, you get the ball back in that scenario, and at the worst case, you're going to halftime 17-14 because you have the ball. There's only a couple minutes left. The the, the timeout situation is that is such that even if you end up not getting points on that drive, you go to half down 17-14 should be the worst case scenario when you end up in that spot and yet they end up not only giving up points but giving up a touchdown and I also think this might cost Mike Pettin his job because why are you running single safety high man coverage in that in that spot of course you want to you want to trust that Kevin King knows hey probably last play of the half don't let Scotty Miller get behind you but you can't you can't prepare for that you can't just assume that Call your prevent defense, let Tom Brady check it down, and get out, get to the locker room in a position feeling like, okay, we're still in this game. It's like it was a failure on so many levels in so many different ways that kind of underscored the game in a game where I still believe the Packers are the better team, but they just pooped all over themselves. Yeah, I mean, not having Bakhtiari killed them, but not they haven't had Bakhtiari for a couple of weeks now. They That offensive line was just overmatched they made jason pierre paul look like he had all 10 fingers i mean it was like like the fucking time warp of it all no i mean in the grand scheme of like frustrating packers games and we're saying this to a lions fan so obviously we understand that this is a you know glass house type stuff but i mean uh, and i think i watched i think i watched this game with all with both you guys but when the packers blew that lead to seattle in the nfc championship game a couple of years ago, that was, that was a tough watch. Um, and this was a tough watch equally, you know, and I, but I wondered to myself and I, I go ahead, Nick, and I'll hold on to it. I was going to say Billy Turner, more like Billy Turn styles. Yeah, yeah. That checks out. No, what I'm wondering is, would you rather, and this is tough, you this you can't come at it as a Lions fan, Zach. You got to come at it from like a Michigan State fandom or, or something else. But hmm. um, to see your team in a big game like that and to get blown the f- out or lose in like a heartbreaking fashion, like you know, like your team is going to lose. Would you rather get ran out of the building like the Packers got ran out of the building in last year's NFC championship game by the 49ers or would you rather lose to the Bucks the way that you did you know what I mean so like would Michigan would you rather see Michigan so, State in the NCAA in the championship game I guess it would have been you're, like you're asking me if I would rather have Matt Flynn torch us for six touchdowns or Aaron Rodgers to get a phantom uh face mask call and have a second shot at a Hail Mary touchdown for the game winner Yes, but I want the stakes to be higher, though, because those were just regular season games. You know what I mean? Like the, example that, the example that I'm thinking of for you specifically is, and in, in, I, I don't know what year this would have been, but I vaguely remember an NCAA championship game in which Michigan State came, came in to play North Carolina, and North Carolina was oh, they beat the hell out of them. And, and, it was, and it came out, and Michigan State tried to run with them. And UNC had like three lottery picks. I mean, they yeah, were they had the like Rashad McCants, Sean May, 
Yeah, Sean May. Yeah, yeah that's that that's that team. And Sean May was there for like 40 years. So yeah, he was the original um uh Kansas guy. What, what was that guy's name? Uh Perry. Oh, the, ooh, bald guy, yeah. Perry, Perry. Oh yeah. Perry Ellis? Perry yes, Ellis. Yes, who's the clothing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. That was, that was stupid, but also I was absolutely wasted for that entire game. So I don't, I wouldn't remember having a whole lot of feelings. And then also we burned down East Lansing after that. Um, uh, oh, cool. No, known as Cedar Fest um, usually, um, or I guess not exactly it's some variation, but um, I don't remember being too upset about that. But then I think the year after that, they lost to Butler in the final four. But- um what what was that to like 2010 that one that one was really tough i think it was closer yeah 50 to 52 so they got blown out in the championship game by north carolina and then the next year lose to butler in the final four by two i'd rather be wasted and get blown out well (laughs) i'd rather be wasted and stop the sentence right there (laughs) than do either than then pick it doesn't matter yeah that's true dave you want the final word on the show today i got nothing man it's a chunky (laughs) goodbye i don't know are we done